Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Guys doing good? Everybody happy? Praise God. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And we appreciate you being here today. Good to see all of you. And uh, we're just looking for each Sunday to just keep increasing. Folk coming back, realizing you're not going to drop dead in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. If Walmart and Lowe's don't get you, baby, this ain't going to hurt you right here. Okay. <laughs> Amen. How many like me? I'm kind of getting weary with all this. But uh, God's with us. God's for us. Boy, the songs today were so awesome declaring that to us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. If you have your Bible, want to read with us. I want to talk to you today. This just been on my heart for all week. Just the power of sacrificial praise. And what does the New Testament mean when it talks about that we are to continually offer the sacrifice of praise? You know, Paul said that Jesus, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed for us. And the word sacrifice doesn't mean a whole lot to a lot of New Testament Christians any longer. And we've got churches, we've got people that really don't understand and have never maybe even really participated in offering to God a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise don't mean singing a praise song. It don't mean participating in hymnals or worship songs. It's much, much deeper than that, much more than that. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says in verse 15, Therefore by him, and notice him's capital, that's Jesus. Therefore by him, by Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Then it tells us what that is. It says that is the fruit of our lips. It's not our, what our lips sing as much as it's what our lips have produced. What kind of fruit have we produced in our lives from what we say from our lips? Do you, you understand? This is much more than just a singing a song, mouthing a praise song, and then he says giving thanks to his name. So therefore let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. Notice we're offering it to God. We're not offering it to one another. We're offering this to God. We're bringing this sacrifice to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And so what does it mean to continually offer the sacrifice of praise? The word sacrifice, you know what that means. It means it costs you something. It's not free. There, there, there's something involved. It costs you something. And, and, and it means that you're doing something. You're offering God something maybe that you don't even feel like doing. But it's a, that's when it's a sacrifice. And, and something awesome happens when we do this. Now, you know, a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, the, the, the ground at the foot of the cross is all level. It, it is when it comes to Jesus paying the price for our salvation. Everybody gets the same price paid. He, is, he has done away with sin. That's not only yours, but the sin of the world. In other words, Jesus has paid it all, right? But our response to that grace is not equal. And therefore, what we receive by participating through this thing called faith is different from Christian to Christian. So sometimes, depending on what we do, now we're not earning anything, but depending on what we do, and I want to show you that in the Word of God, I want to show you that in the New Testament this morning. Amen? Can you all say amen to the reading of God's Word? Amen. Now, you can't mess with anybody, so just turn and look at them and give them a big smile. Just smile at them, wave at them. Uh, I've seen some of you last Sunday doing these, uh, what y'all call them, uh, 
Air hug, that's right. I didn't know what. Air hug, give them an air hug. Do that, give them an air hug. All right, you can be seated. You know, when stuff happens in our lives we don't understand, uh, you know, we say, you know, you know what, I'm hurting, but I'm going to praise you. Uh, I'm lonely, but I'm going to praise you anyway. Somebody did me wrong. You know, God, it wasn't fair. Uh, it wasn't right. Uh, but I'm going to still praise you as if they didn't even do that to me. Amen. When you praise God beyond your feelings, listen to me, that's when praise becomes your faith at work. Amen. In other words, when you praise God and you don't feel like it, when you praise God, then that's when, that's when you got faith in action. Uh, that's when your praise, listen to me, becomes a weapon in the hands of God on your behalf. Now, when we worship God, particularly, I mean, I'm talking about any time, but when we worship God in the midst of things that are not going the way we want them to go, I want to show you from the Word of God that it releases, in other words, we, we acquire something. In other words, worship equals acquisition. And so... We, we see this demonstrated. We see it taught. We, we see this in the life of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. I want to read verses 8 and 9. This is the temptation of Christ. It's in Luke 4. It's in the Gospels. But I'm reading Matthew 4, 8. It says, again, the devil took him up upon an exceedingly high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Now, Satan's doing this. All right. And he said to Jesus, to him, all these things I will give to you, if you will but fall down and worship me. Now the word worship actually means falling prostrate, to fall down. To, 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 in other words, it, it involves your posture. Uh, Jesus did not challenge the claim of Satan. He didn't say you're lying. In other words, Jesus didn't say you can't really give me all those things you just said. In fact, in the book of Luke, if you read Luke's account of the temptation in Luke chapter 4, Satan says this, he said, all these things, all the kingdoms of the world, all the kingdoms of the world, listen, and he says, and their authority. The New King James says authority. The King James says power. But the, there's two words for power. One is dynamos, dynamite. They translate that to power. And then there's the other one, uh, exousia, which means authority. In other words, you can have power, but you don't have authority to use it. Example, you're sitting at the traffic light, and you got your car running, and you got a big motor, but the light's red. You have power, but you don't have authority yet. When the light goes green, now you have authority. Then you can use the power that you've got. Does that make sense? So, so it's, it's like that in our life. Now, uh, in, in this account, Jesus, Satan says to Jesus, all these kingdoms of this world and all their authority, all their power, I will give to you if you'll fall down and worship me. In other words, you'll acquire something through worship. Listen to what Satan says. For this has been delivered unto me. Now who delivered that to Satan? Who delivered Satan, the kingdoms of the world, and all their authority and power? Well, we have to find out who had it in the first place. Who had all that? Adam did. The first Adam. So Adam had that, and in his fall in the garden, he, he gave all that over. He gave the keys. What the keys represent? Authority. If you have keys to this building, guess what you have? You have authority to come and go. In other words, we give you keys, we've given you power and authority. You have the power and the authority in that key. Am I making sense this morning? 
So, so that was delivered unto Satan. The last Adam, Jesus, come to take that authority, that power back, and return it back to his rightful owners who he gifted it to in the first place, and that is the sons of Adam. That's me and you, right? And, and, and so, so Satan says that if you'll just fall down and worship me, you'll acquire all of this. And listen, th think about it like this. You probably don't think about it like this, but if you can worship the devil and he can give you all that, then how much more would we receive if we worshiped Almighty God? Satan said, if you'll fall down, I mean, even the devil knows that true worship involves physical expression. It, it involves something. We, we're all different in our expression of worship, but the very word worship means that we're going, our, our posture is involved, our body's involved in that. Now, verse 10 of Matthew 4, Jesus says to Satan, he says, away with you, Satan. Isn't that a good thing to say? Away with you, Satan, for it is written. Now he uses the word of God. The word is using the word. Isn't that awesome? What did Jesus do? He used the word. What do you and I do when we get in a, in a, in a mental battle with the enemy? These, these negative thoughts come to us. These thoughts of depression, oppression, despair, anger, whatever it is. When these thoughts come, what do you use to combat those things? The word of God. So he quotes him the word. He says, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Now, I love verse 11, what it says. It says, when Jesus said that to him, he said, you, he, he's, in other words, Satan says, you know, if you'll worship me, if you'll pay homage to me, if you'll turn to me, if you'll bow to me, if, if you'll engage with me, I'll, you know, I'll give you stuff. Jesus says, away with you, Satan. You shall worship God and him only. Then the devil left him. And not only did the devil leave, but angels came and ministered to Jesus. Now, when Jesus gets attacked by the enemy with thoughts, or, you know, Satan's there talking to him, Jesus settles the issue that Satan brought up, who I'm going to worship. Now, worship is more, again, than singing a song, participating in a worship service, playing, a, uh, you know, uh, something off your phone, you know, a worship song somewhere, wherever. It's much more than that. You, you worship is the word worth, worth. You, you, you're ascribing worth to something. So when you're under pressure, stress, pain, hurt, whatever, whatever you turn to is what you're worshiping. So if you have to have something else besides God to get you through the day, you're worshiping that. That's, that is your God. Boy, it's quiet in our Presbyterian church this morning. Don't send me nothing, Presbyterians. I love y'all. You know, a lot of people have a lot of problems, but they don't see it as problems. They see it as solution. That's why they do it. That's why they do the drugs, why they do the alcohol. That's why they do the whatever they do. They do that because they don't see it as a problem. If they saw it as a problem, they'd quit it. So they don't see it as a problem. They see it as a solution. So they turn to that. You're ascribing value, worth to that. There's, there's worship. But listen to me, listen to me. When you, when you settle the issue of who you're going to worship only, then what happens is the devils leave and angels minister. Devils leave and angels minister. He'd leave you too if you'd worship God only. Well, the devil's bothered me. I can tell you what you're not doing. You're not worshiping God only. 
Now, don't get mad. Just get free. If there's an, listen, if there's an abundance of demonic thoughts and activity in your life, it is absolutely because there's a lack of worship in your life. I'm really in a great mood today. I'm angry at no one but the enemy for stealing and killing and destroying. Now, it's interesting to me, won't necessarily turn there, but in Luke 4's account of the temptation of Christ, verse 1 says, and Jesus being full of the Spirit. Everybody say full of the Spirit. Now, Jesus being full of the Spirit was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, there to be tempted and tested of the devil. So in other words, I mean, believes that Jesus, if it says he was full of the Spirit, he was full of the Spirit. All right, now he's, he's being led by God. The Holy Spirit's God. So Jesus is being led by God into a place of breakthrough. Sometimes the things that's going on in your life, you're being summoned by God. Now, God don't give people sickness. That's blasphemy. God don't give people cancer. God don't give people diseases to teach you anything. Right? We know that here. God, good, devil, cancer, not from God. Wonder where it's from. The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, destroy. That's his agenda. That's his MO, mode of operation. But I have come, Jesus said, that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Don't ever get confused, no matter what the church in America has taught you and your upbringing has taught you and what people post. And, you know, it's all lies. It is, it, America has been deprived of the truth of the gospel. God can't give you cancer, as I've said, because he doesn't have it. He can only give you what he has. He doesn't have it. Jesus came to, to seek and to save. He came to heal the sick, not give them sickness. And this is a whole other sermon, but it's important. But anything that you, and I tell you this, I've been telling you this ever since you met me for over a decade. Anything you think you know about Jesus, or let me say it like this, anything you believe about God that you can't prove in the life of Jesus Christ, then question it because it's not true. I'm not going to discuss Job with you. It's in the Bible, and it's there for a purpose and a reason. But Job had an inferior revelation of God. Inferior. Not wrong, but just incomplete. The Bible said that Job said things that he didn't even know what he was talking about. God had to ask Job, Did you, do you know how to make a peacock? That's one thing God asked him. God said, Job, and God let Job talk for chapters. And Job just talked and talked and talked and talked. And he said, woe is me, and I wish I hadn't been born. And he, and he just, just vomited it all out. You call it sharing. <laughs> God. Or venting. Sometimes you call it venting. I, well, I just needed to vent. No, you needed to vomit. And so when, when, Job, when Job got through, you know, that's what you, did I get out when you got through? It's Job said out of his own mind. He said, "I spoke things that I then I uttered things that I did not understand." He said, "I had only heard of God about the hearing of the ear. I've heard of God." He said, "But now I have seen Him face to face." And he said, "I hate myself." In other words, I hate what I thought about Him. I hate that I thought that He was behind all of this. I I hate that I thought wrongly about Him. 
Now, what about Joe? Well, what about Jesus? Let's talk about Jesus for a second. What about Jesus? What about that Jesus? How about them cowboys? How about Jesus? How about Jesus? Let's talk about Jesus a minute. So how many people did Jesus ever give sickness to? I'm going to have to give you a big zero on it. How many storms and tragedies and, and physical storms did Jesus ever bless? None. Okay, we check that one off. How many people did ever approach Jesus and said, please heal me, did he leave sick? None. You getting it? That's God in the flesh. Hebrews says that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. The exact representation of the invisible Father. That's Jesus. He's, he, he's not close to the Father. He's exactly like the Father. That is the Father in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. So don't ever through your pain get confused or allow those negative thoughts of the enemy to come and somehow convince you. Guys, listen to me. And I love people, man. But I've had pastors that committed affairs look at me and tell me face to face that somehow God was in it. I'm talking about people that preach the Bible told me that. I don't understand it, Brother Dale. I just know that my marriage is better now. Somehow God was in all this. Oh, he was in you hanging your britches on another woman's bedpost. Now, you want to play the video? So you're telling me God was behind all that. God was for that. God was sanctioning that. God caused that, and God blessed that. That's what you're telling me? You're trying to sell me that? I ain't buying it, brother. I can't help that your marriage is better if you'd have paid attention the first time. <laughs> Listen. Listen, if you get run over across the street, you'll cross the street better. From then on, if you live through it, you'll pay more attention. That don't mean God's behind it. God's not in and he's not the author of your pain. But God's always there to help you pick up the pieces. You can crash the car. If you'll just hand him the keys, he'll repair it and get it back on the road again. He, 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 he's, the, he's the restorer. He restores. He, he renews. He, that's who he is. But don't get confused because that, that's poison in your brain. And if you believe it, guess what? You'll tell somebody, you'll post it on Facebook, and we've got that poison spreading worse than this virus is. Lies about Papa. We, we, we don't need that. It's all the time. That's why sometimes I just want to throw my phone away. <laughs> Storm comes through, hits these tornadoes. God's here to come on faith. God's in control. God's in control. God's not in control. Buy my book. First chapter, God is not in control. God's not in control of the earth. There ain't a verse in your Bible in the New Testament nowhere that says God's in control. There is a verse that said the devil's in control of this world. He called the prince and the power of the air. Jesus called him the God of this world. He's in control. That's why the world's in a mess. If God's in control, what do we got forward to look to called heaven? If this is the best God can run it, if he's in control, is this the best he can do? Murders, rapes, killings, this is the best he can do. He's not in control. He's in charge of the universe, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. Psalm 115, verse 119, I believe, or, 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 or flip that. I can't remember. <laughs> but the earth, the heavens, the Bible said, are the, are the Lord's. The heavens are, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given 
He's given to the sons of men. If I give you a car and you crash it, that ain't my fault. Don't blame me because you're driving a beat-up car. I don't understand. I thought Lord's in control. You ever seen somebody need a haircut? You've seen a lot of them now because they won't let you. Hardly, just, man, I was the first one there when my brother opened up. Man, he opened up. I was right there. I said, how's it looking up there? Are you, are you packed? He said, no, a lot of them still not coming in. I said, I'll be right there. I needed a haircut. Listen. Just because a guy walks around with shaggy hair, uncut, ungroomed, that don't mean that the barber ain't on duty. Brother still got to go to the shop on his own choice. Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? That, that this whole thing that we've been fed about God is just, it's just not true. And it, and it results in a lot of wrong beliefs. And so the Bible says that Jesus went... Jesus went full of the Spirit out into the wilderness, full of the Spirit. But then listen to me, in Luke 4, 14, after the temptation has occurred, after those three major things that Satan you know, launched against Christ, and Jesus rebuked him each time, and he, and he quoted him in the Word, right? And then it says, I love this, and it says in verse 14 that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Now, I'm trying to draw your attention to verse 1 of Luke 4 and then verse 14. So we got him going out there full of the Spirit, but we got him returning after the encounter, returning in the power of the Spirit. Now, I would like to suggest to you that we got a lot of Christians that are full of the Spirit, but they're not returning with the power of the Spirit. Number one, they want to avoid all conflict. And number two, when they get in the wilderness and Satan begins to attack them, they don't settle the issue there that I'm worshiping God and him only. So knock it off. They, 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 don't, they, they don't say, you know, well, God's forsaken me. God's, you know, I don't understand this. I don't know why he'd do this to me. I don't know why he would allow this to happen. I've been out here 40 days. I don't, you know, I know you had a good meal. You know, I thought I was supposed to, you know, God, was, I'm his kid. I thought he was supposed to look out for me. Jesus never enters into none of those kind of stuff. He, he, he's did. And so when you stand your ground and you stand on the word, you, then you have power of the spirit. You have authority now to use the power that was given to you because you shall receive power, Acts 1 and 8, after that the Holy Spirit's come upon you. You, you have the power, but you, you just don't have the authority to use it. And it's not because God hadn't given you authority. You don't believe you have the authority. I can give you keys to the building, but you can stand out there all day long in the parking lot jiggling your keys because you don't really believe that you've got authority to enter the building. You're afraid the alarm will go off. You don't, you've got the keys, baby. Come on in. Are, are you with me? And, and so here we are, spirit-filled, Holy Spirit-filled Christians but we're not using the authority. I, this is not to beat you up. This is to wake you up. Man, we, we, you know, and so one of the greatest places that you see this, that see the whole old covenant system was based on sacrifice. The people were bringing the sacrifices, you know, all the time and doing those animal sacrifices and that kind of stuff. In the New Testament, we go, well, Jesus is our sacrifice, so we don't have to bring any more sacrifice. That's not true. All right, so here we go, Acts 16. We, we, verse 25, Acts 16, 25, the apostle Paul and Silas have went to Macedonia in obedience to God. 
preaching the gospel. They encountered a demon-possessed woman. They cast the devil out of her, the people that was, was prostituting her, that was using her to make money, became angry when she lost her ability to do her sorceries. So then they had them beaten and thrown and locked in prison, shackled to the wall. Now this really happened. These are two real men. One's named Paul, one's named Silas. They loved God. They're just trying to do what God wants them to do. They have been physically beaten. They have been chained with shackles and they are strapped and chained to the wall of a real prison. And it's midnight. They don't have a nightlight. We can only imagine how bad it really was. And the Bible wanted you to know this. It said, at, but at midnight, it says, but. It tells you what happened to them. Then it says, but. Now, this is going to be their response. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. The word hymns there is loud, boisterous song. There's different words for him. So the Greek word is loud and boisterous. And we know it was because the prisoners were listening to him. They wasn't going, man, they were getting his praise on. They had prayed, and they were also singing loudly, praising God. At midnight. Now listen to me. This is the clearest picture that I can show you from the Bible of the sacrifice of praise being offered. All right, let's pretend for a moment. We got two. We got two Christians. We got two Christians over here. We got Paul and Silas, and and, and uh, we got Peter and Fred over here or something. I, I don't know. But they both go through the same situation, same circumstance. These guys choose not to offer sacrifice of praise and praise God because they're feeling sorry for themselves. They thought being a Christian, somehow somebody convinced them that being a Christian is, means you never have any trials, tests, or tribulations. You never go through hard times. That the money will just fall out the sky into your mailbox. That you'll just have wonderful, wonderful things every day. It will be bluebirds singing, you and Snow White skipping through the forest. It, that's what it means. You know what I'm saying? You was preached the wrong gospel. That's why when you get in tough times, you doubt God, you, you want to throw your Christianity down, you want to quit reading your Bible, you want to stop praying, you want to stop giving, you, you just go in a hole. Paul and Silas, on the other hand, says, I, you know, we don't, we, maybe, you know, they don't understand all of it as far as, I mean, they understand you made people mad. <laughs> they beat you for that. They locked you up for that. But it doesn't change God, and it doesn't change the mission. And God's the same. And so Paul said, let's, let's get our praise on. And they wasn't doing it so that the church folks would see them doing it. This is midnight. Nobody's got the Facebook on. They're not going to post this. They're, they're just praising God because they got a praise of God in their heart. This is true sacrifice. When you do it then and you don't feel like doing it, but you still do it, you, you choose to do it. And you choose to show that devil that beats you back and hurts you. This don't change nothing. This don't change nothing. God's still the same God. You, he's the same God that he was yesterday, today, and forever. And I, he, he ain't changed one bit. He's the same. And so I'm going to praise him. And they just begin to praise God. Listen to me, church. When you do that, then when it said, verse 25 says that they, they did this, verse 26 says, and suddenly, and suddenly there was an earthquake. 
Now these brothers, some because of they offered the sacrifice of praise, something's going to happen not only on their behalf, but on everybody that's in contact with them. The earth, and, and suddenly there was an earthquake and every prisoner's bands was loosened. Everybody's chains was broken. The doors flung open and we end up with the jailer and the warden getting born again and his whole house got saved. Because these two brothers here understood that this what I'm going through don't change God. It don't change who God is. God loves me the same and I'm going to praise him just like this didn't happen to me. Now if you've got these two guys over here that's going to sit there going, I don't understand this. I don't know why God allowed this to happen. All I was trying to do, obey the Lord. Then you ain't getting nothing. You ain't going to get no earthquake and your verse ain't going to say, and suddenly... You're just going to waller in it. And you, you're going to have missed an opportunity to praise God from a platform and a stage by which you were offered that could have brought, resulted in breakthrough not only for yourself but for the people in your life that watched you praise God when you was hurting. Watched you praise God in at midnight. Watched you praise God when you didn't have nothing seemingly to praise Him for. Watched you praise God when they repossessed your car. Watched you praise God when they took you back to your house. Watched you praise God when you lost your job. Watched you praise God when the cancer didn't leave you. Watched you praise God when your children was on drugs. Watched you praise God when the law came after you. Watched you praise God anyhow. See, that's what brings change is a true sacrifice of praise. When, 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 you, when, you, when you do, see, that's why Psalms 24, 7 says, Lift up your heads, O you gates. And be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. See, he said, lift up your head. And, 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 then, and then the Bible calls us gates. And it says in Psalm 87 and 2, listen to this. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord wrote this. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. God said, I love them gates. I love me some gates now. He's talking about you. When you see that city built four square, the new Jerusalem, there's going to be 12 gates. Would you mind telling me what they made of? Those of you that have read your Bible, what are those gates made of? They're, oh, thank you. They're made of a solid pearl. You say, pearls don't get that big. They do from where God comes from. We eat grapes like this and think we got something big as your fingernail. In Canaan land, they were, each grape was big as a basketball. God got big pearls. Now, since God's the, the construction of that new city, Abraham said, I was seeking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And God said, I'm going to put gates. I'm going to have 12 gates that you'll enter in. But these gates are made of pearl. I wonder if God had a plan by why he would make them out of pearl. How do pearls form today? You ever seen what produces a pearl? What animal, what thing is it that produces a pearl? An oyster. Y'all, some of y'all eat them things. I do wish I liked them because my kids make them look so good. I'll be standing around the grill when they're putting them on the grill and they'll pop up, you know, and all. 
And a lot of times I'll just get a saltine cracker and put me some uh, cocktail sauce because I love cocktail sauce and I'll just eat that. But at least I'm participating in the fun. You throw that nasty oyster on there and it's just kind of hard. I'll do one or two maybe try to be with the gang, but I just can't hang with it like they can. That's an ugly thing. Oyster's ugly on the outside. It's ugly on the inside. But out of all that ugly, listen to me, comes a pearl. Now, what, what, what is it that produced the pearl in that oyster? Now, do you think God's behind that? I mean, God's the creator of that. God made that oyster. God made that oyster. And, and so an irritating foreign object will come into that oyster, and it will irritate that oyster, and that oyster begins to secrete something to, to, to deal with that irritation. And through that amazing process, a pearl, something of great value. God, God called us the, the, the pearl of great price. In other words, God said that he, he saw a field, but he saw also a pearl in there, and he purchased the whole field to get that pearl. In other words, God said, I'll buy all the dirt just to get that one pearl. I'll go all the way to the cross, and I will endure and despise the shame of it, but I will do it joyfully knowing what it's going to accomplish for me because the joy that's set before me. I'm not looking at the cross. I'm looking through the cross. I'm going to redeem my children back. I'm going to purchase them back from the enemy. I'm going to rescue them out of the hands of the enemy. And so that, that, that pearl is you. So in other words, the entrance into the kingdom, the Bible says in Acts 14 and 22 that, Paul said, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. He, see, now some of you want to enter into the kingdom, but you don't want to go through the gate. You can try any way you want to. And there's 12 gates. Every one of them made a pearl. There's going to be things in your life that's going to irritate. They're going to frustrate. They're going to aggravate. You understand? How many words do you need me to rhyme with here? But these things... If you will respond appropriately, you will enter in through that gate into a realm of the kingdom that you've only heard about because you refuse to stay outside the gate. You refuse to allow the irritant to stop you from going through this thing that God's called you into. You will not only be a Christian that's full of the Holy Spirit, you'll, you, you'll go through some stuff, but you'll return with power. Just like Jesus did. You, you, you'll have power. But you, you'll be like Paul and Silas when tough times come, and they will, and we're in now one as a nation. Tough times. We don't understand. I don't know, man. I don't know. Right now, everybody just won't wait them to get a vaccine. See, you still trust in man. They may not even get a vaccine. You want to be the first in line to try it out? I didn't think so. Normally, it takes at least 10 years to produce a vaccine. They're trying to do it in 10 months. I'm not saying don't take, I, I don't know what they're going to do. But I'm saying it does matter deep down where your trust really is. Now, you can get a vaccine and trust God. Or you can, trust, you can, trust, you can get a vaccine and not trust God. You ever take a flu shot, Brother Dale? Every year. Every year. I don't, mean I'm, I don't mean I ain't trusting God, though. And they give it to you and say, we probably won't work on the strain that's going to be around this year. Well, why shoot me then? Why, you know, I mean, but, you know, you, just do, you do what you can. You do what you can, you know. But you got to understand that, that, that when you and I offer praise to God, 
In, circum, in circumstances like Paul and Silas was, it's, it's a bad thing. It, it hurts. It, it doesn't make sense. It's not fair. I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm alone. But if you, if, you, if you do that then, and I remember this is one of the hardest things. When I was a younger Christian, uh, in fact, I had way, way back younger, when, but I was already in ministry, but I, I, uh, you know, I just thought it was tough being a Christian until I got in, in, in to be a pastor. Then it really got fun. And, but I remember I, we, we, I had built, where I used to live, I had built a, a cabin, a prayer cabin. We called it a prayer cabin. All my, you know, it was a prayer cabin. And I would spend a lot of time there. And, uh, and I, I, I remember specifically one day just hurting so bad, just hurting so badly. And, uh, but I had never really broken through that thing about just really getting my praise on sure enough when I was hurting. Because to be honest with you, I, I, I didn't feel like praising. I didn't do much praising. I did a lot of praying. did a lot of feeling sorry for myself. did a lot of saying I don't understand. Help a brother out kind of deal. But I didn't do a whole lot of praising. Easy to praise when the praise is there. But it's not easy to praise when you don't really kind of look around and see. Now, there's always something to praise God about. Now, we, we, the old church should have taught us that. Thank God that it woke me up this morning in my right mind. You know what I'm saying? That I mean, you can start from there and get your praise on. Thank God I got legs, I got arms. I can wipe the slobber off my cheek by myself. I don't need no help. I mean, I thank God I got an appetite. Thank God that I can go in the cupboard and find something to eat. Thank God I got, you know, and then you can start there and get your praise on if you'll just do it. But a lot of people are not disciplined to do it because they expect all that just to come. That's because you ain't never been nowhere. But if you fly on the other side of the world, then people are praising God for food, clothing, and shelter. I remember, I'll never forget when I was a young, young Christian, just in my early 20s, we had a missionary come to our church, and he looked at me, and, and, and we, just in conversation, I was starting out in ministry, and my pastor wanted me to talk with him. And Anyway, but he, he, he said, this is how you know that you are rich. He said, you have a choice of which shoes you should put on. You have a choice of what shirt you should put on. If you have a choice, in my country, you are rich. I remember he was amazed that I had a bicycle. They never even dreamed where he was from of a car. That don't even hit their dream. That ain't on their dream board. Their dream is to have a bicycle or maybe a motorcycle or something. to just. To, and I'm not trying to make you feel bad because you're an American and you're blessed. I hate that too. I mean, don't beat me up because I live here. So you, you, I, I don't, that's, that's wrong as well. But be thankful for what God's given us. And then let us use what God's given us to be a blessing to people maybe that, you know what I'm saying. But the whole key is just to offer continually that sacrifice of praise. And, and you have to kind of have your game plan planned like this. In other words, when you may be not going through the toughest time right now, but then when it does hit, you'll remember this, wait a minute now, I remember the example, Paul and Silas. I, I need me a suddenly. I wonder how many suddenlies we've missed because we just refused to offer a sacrifice. Well, I'm, you know, I, I, you know, I, I just ain't gonna get there. You know, I'm just gonna get there in time for the preaching. You know, I, I, I don't mean that mean, but you're missing an opportunity to offer praise. One of the most challenging times that I ever. In other words, a while ago I said you're, you're, a lot of times there, there are platforms built. In other words, sometimes 
the enemy builds the gallows, so to speak, to hang you on. In other words, you hang, hung by the tongue. We, 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 the fruit of our lips are not good. And yet, you, what the enemy meant for harm, you can be used of God to turn that thing around and use it for good. In other words, you can praise God from that platform. So when I had a little boy in my church named Jonah that, long story real short, but unfortunately this little fella went to our Christian school. I mean, I, I knew him so well. I knew his dad. His mom and dad members of my church. His dad was a Valdosta firefighter. His dad died of pancreatic cancer. I buried his dad when his dad was a younger man. I've been through so much tragedy with his family. And then on the heels of his dad, me burying his dad, here comes down this little boy, you know, just uh, six, seven years old or something, you know, with cancer. Me and Jill drove to the Atlanta Children's Hospital to see him several times. We, we, we watched the, the horror of that horrible disease over the course of many, many months, in spite of our best prayers, take the life of this little boy. And I've told you this story, and and, and, and some people, you know, and, you know I, I don't tell you this to make you feel. I'm just trying to say real stuff, okay? Because sometimes, sometimes it don't look like it turns out like we want it. And this mom had looked at me and said, to my horror, <laughs> if Jonah dies, I want you to pray to raise him from the dead. You, you just don't know what that feels like to be that guy that got told that. Right at that moment, I didn't want to be a preacher no more. I'm the guy that all these previous years had preached like a wild man about what God can do. <laughs> and, you know, raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out devils, heal the lepers. All that preaches real good. Preaches good. Till a mama looks at you and says, if he dies now, I want you to raise him from the dead. Now, I had been asked that one other time by a young man, 33 years old, with cystic fibrosis that died in my church. He was one of the first people that ever started coming to, to Cornerstone. He's a good guy. Came to God. He was well known. I preached his funeral. 33. His wife asked me to do that too when he died. And I said, nah, I don't think so. I wouldn't want to do anything I said to bring dishonor to the Lord and you know, Lord have to actually speak that to me. So I kindly, religiously refused. That didn't feel good either. I felt like a fake, failure, hypocrite. But I knew I didn't have the faith to, I just didn't feel like I had no kind of faith to raise that brother from the dead. But now 10 years later or so, I'm hit with that same thing. Hey, pray for him. I go to the hospital. He's lying in the hospital bed. No one is in the room but his mom. And I go in the room, and I told you she dressed him in his clothes, put his sandals on his feet, and was waiting on me to come. Now, on the way driving to the hospital, I did this. I did this. I just flipped my Bible open. It was laying on my console. You're not supposed to do that. Don't do that at home, children. But I flipped my Bible open, just flipped it open, and it opened up, honest to God, to the book of Acts where it said, and women received their dead, raised to life again. <laughs> I, I can tell you, I walked in that hospital like I felt like I had all the faith that God would give a feller. And I started imagining in my mind what would be the results of that boy getting out of that bed. 
when he walked down the hall with all the rooms empty out, would people just fall down and get saved? What would happen? What would be the results? What would be the glory cloud that would... I just started playing the videos in my mind, man. I, you know, I went in there like a wild man. I, mean, I went in the hospital, glory to God. I'm going to raise this boy from the dead in Jesus' name. Because Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Jesus did it. Jesus showed us how to do it. I said, well, Jesus, that's on. Paul did it. Paul preached one night so long that a boy fell out of the window about third story and, killed, and got killed. Paul raised him from the dead and then finished his sermon. I think I'd have brought it to a close after that, but <laughs> I walked in the room, prayed my best prayer, real short, shorten it up. He didn't get up. To my surprise, mama went over, had a boom box, we used to call them over there, and she had a worship tape playing real soft in the background. She went over there and cranked it up real loud. And just her and, and myself in the room, in the hospital, not so loud it would be intrusive to other rooms, but loud enough that we was really could praise, we began to praise God. Now I'm telling you with everything in me, I had never been offered at a stage from which to worship the Lord and offer a sacrifice of praise from that kind of stage. Do you understand what I mean by that? Me personally, I've never, I mean, how, who has ever praised God from a platform where within three, five feet of you is a blue synodic dead body of that mama's child? This ain't a fairy tale. I lived it. And I watched that mama lift her hands. And I thought, what else can I do but join in to pray? And so her and myself, we offered the sacrifice of praise to God. And I want to tell you, you know how we say in the church, man, every hair on my body stood at attention. I'm telling you, every hair stood on my, and I started just peeking over at him. I thought he's going to get up now. This is how it's going to happen. Just through the praise. And it could have. And there are stories like that that has happened in other places and other parts of the world and even America. You know, but on this particular case, it did not happen. And then right here, now here it comes. You go, well, why didn't it happen? I don't know. As I said, I prayed my best prayer. And I've learned now that the faith that I've been given is not something I've achieved or earned. It was gifted to me by Christ. It's the, it's the faith of Jesus. And so they are things that we just don't understand. And here comes the problem, and I'll end with this. In America, when something like that happens, you go, well, it didn't happen. So it's, it's, it's so frustrating and it's so confusing that you feel like i got to come up with a theology to explain why it didn't happen. So why it didn't happen is God allowed it or God chose not to raise him this time. God decided not to. So God decided not to. Hmm. So God decided not to pay for what he already paid for. Because 1 Peter 1.24 says, By his stripes you were healed. If I bought you a car and gave you the keys and I handed you the title and, and your name's now, it's, over, it's your car. You drive it for five years and you pull up one Sunday and you pull up out there and I walk out to you as you get out of your car that I paid for, but it's yours. I go over to you and I say, you know what? <clears throat> I want to talk to you today. I've decided not to pay for this car. You're going to be looking at me like I'm crazy. What do you mean? You already paid for it. Well, I decided not to. I changed my mind. How can you not pay for what you've already paid for? 
Okay, so the next time you pray for somebody and they don't get healed, don't come to me and tell me that God decided not to. Because God cannot decide not to pay for what he's already paid for, for by his stripes you were, your, your sickness was paid for. Now, why don't that get appropriated and manifested and, and demonstrated? I don't know the answers to all that. I do understand that there's, there's levels of warfare that you and I are not familiar with. And I know this ain't heaven yet. So in Mark chapter uh, 9, I believe it is, when you got a little boy that brought his, the dad brought the little boy that's being demonized to the disciples, and they got those, those men who had done this kind of stuff to pray for the little boy. Remember that story? And they couldn't heal the boy. Right? Jesus shows up now, coming from the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. Jesus said, what are y'all arguing with my disciples about? And they said, the dad speaks up and says, I brought my kid to, your, to the church. You guys couldn't heal him. So if you can do anything, Jesus, if you can do anything, help us. Jesus like, no, man, you need to put it off on me. He said, if you can believe. Jesus pointed it right back to him. And this is the key now. If you can only believe. If you believe, all things are possible to them to believe. See, we, what we want to do in the church is put it off on Jesus. Well, it's up to the Lord. If he does it, if he does it, you know, sometimes he do, sometimes he don't. Sometimes he will, sometimes he won't. It's like, you know, hitting a lottery. You don't know if you're going to win, just, you know, buy the ticket. That's not what it is. But I don't understand. What, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know the answers to all that, but I do know this. When it works, like you see it manifested, praise God. When it, when it seemingly is not being manifested out, you, you don't see the result, praise God. Don't let that adjust your praise. Don't let that, uh, because you understand, listen to me. So Jesus says, bring the boy to me. They brought the kid to him. He cast out that devil and, and he healed him. Now, what if that was after the cross and after Jesus had gone back to heaven and that scenario happened and Jesus don't walk up? What does the church do with that? They come up with what the church teaches in every pulpit in America today. What some are preaching today. Well, it's not always the Lord's will to heal. Well, sometimes he does, sometimes he don't, you know. Because, you know, we pray for my grandmama, Aunt Rosie, and if anybody was ever going to get healed, she would have got it, but she didn't. So that's proof there. Oh, really? Then so what you do is you bring your circumstances up to a level higher than the word of God and you let that circumstance and that hurt and that misunderstanding and that lack of manifestation, you let that sacrifice and make the word of God of no effect. And listen, and if you're not careful, you'll live every day of your life out of that kind of experiential thing, but it's not God's experiences, it's yours. And you, and you let your experiences interpret the word of God instead of allowing the word of God to interpret your experiences. But if we would just stand our ground and stand in faith, regardless of what we see, pray our best prayer, declare the word of God, lay hands on the sick, and declare you shall recover. Lay, cast out, do all those things that God said we would do in his name, using his authority and his power that he has gifted us with. We would see far more than what we are presently seeing, particularly in America. And it is my prayer and my desire that we be that people. And I don't want you to wait till you have to get my age to try to get some of this figured out. And I'm still growing and learning. And, man, I don't get it right every day all the time. No way. Okay, that's settled with you all right. And I have my moments, but I got a wife that will spiritually lift me up. You know what I'm saying? 
<laughs> you know what that means. <laughs> and sometimes the way she lifts me up is say, all right now. And she preaches back to me what I preach, like sermons like this, and I hate that. Don't preach to me what I preach to y'all. Because it don't apply to me. I'm the preacher. No. She's good at preaching back to me and reminding me of the word of God. Reminding me of what I said I believed. And not allowing the pain and the trauma of the moment to be more real than the word of God is. And so we just stand and we declare it. We stand and believe it. And so when we do get our backs beaten and we do at midnight and we can't see very far and we don't know what God's up to and we don't understand the circumstances at all that's going on, but what we do know is that God is still God and he's still on his throne and he is still the same. And we do know that. And we, just, we know that we're going to just go ahead then and we're going to praise God out of our pain and out of that. And I promise you this, you, you, you won't stay like that. Now, in the Old Covenant, Saul, King Saul, would at times, his thoughts and everything would be so dark, so negative, so demonic, that he would call for a young psalmist named David. And some about that guy would just sing and, and worship God. The demons would leave Saul. Is that in the Bible, y'all? Is that in there? So I wonder if we did the same thing. I wonder if when our thoughts become dark and demonic and, and depressive and oppressive, I wonder if we begin, even with the aid of a, a song, begin to praise God and worship God. And I know you won't feel like it, and the first words will come out, but once you get them out and just hang in there, I wonder if the demonic activity and thoughts would leave you. I guarantee you they would. Uh, uh, Elisha one time, I believe he was one of the prophets. He was called before the king, and he, and he, he was angry. He was full of anger. And then the king said, come and prophesy a word of the Lord. So what he did, he called for a psalmist, a minstrel. And he said, let this psalmist and minstrel come, because I'm in a bad mood, and you don't want me to prophesy right now, I guarantee you that. Because what I would prophesy wouldn't be good. So he got that psalmist, that minstrel there, and they begin to worship and praise God. And then the word of the Lord. In other words, what happens through that worship? You can hear God more clearly. In other words, if you just begin to worship God and be quiet in that, then you'll, you, your thoughts will start lining back up with God. And, 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 and you'll hear more clearly than you did before. All that's throughout the old covenant. And if it worked then, I mean, why wouldn't it work now? Why did it work for Paul and Silas? What was it that brought about that suddenly it was them praising God at midnight? That's after the cross, y'all. After resurrection, that's in the time of, the, of what we call the grace of God. And it worked then, and it will work for us now. And I encourage you in this. I encourage you in this. Whatever's going on, man, we all got stories. We all got stuff. But just to, just to, just to press through that and just praise God. I, I told you the other day, I did, last Sunday, and some people uh, it, it, it text me, I'm sorry, I do, I, sometimes I, I, I tell stories and I don't finish them. I, I, you know, that's one of my weaknesses but but the prostate cancer was negative <laughs> I mean, I kind of, somebody said what did you what was it <laughs> you know see I assumed that you would know but but so so a month ago I got went to the doctor you got x number percent chance that you got prostate cancer well that's not gonna make me praise God I'm not hey praise God I might have prostate cancer glory man I was weighted down 
And that was just one big fish I was trying to fry at that time. And I had major things besides the pandemic. I, besides that, and I, you know, in my thoughts, and I even said to my wife, I said, if, if, if just this pandemic is enough to be going through. But now I got this, and besides this, I got to be on 20 days of strong medication. And then after 20 days, I got to go get my blood drawn again. And after that, I got to wait 10 days to go back and them to tell me whether you got cancer or not. So I got 30 days to believe something. And I'm just like you, I think. There would be days I'd be so good. I'd ride and hit my thoughts and, I, and, I, you know, and I'd say, glory to God, and I'd just praise God. I'm like, ah, I did good today. Then the next day, I feel the, you know, going in the ditch. And I started playing the video in my mind. That Satan was playing for me. Well, you got cancer, and then what? I mean, I could I'll already see my funeral. I ain't gonna get to see my grandbabies. And all that just started because like one thing gonna lead to it, you know. And then and, and, and then that start. Well, you you know you remember when you went and had heart surgery and all, and they said you know you had no problem. And then they, they like to kill you up there. They had to carry you back and open you back up and save your life. You was bleeding out inside your chest. Called my wife back from the hospital, and I remember walking my wife walking out of the room saying. Uh, he's dying with me with a ventilator uh, tube in my mouth because the doctors told her I was dying. And I remember I thought, I'm dying. And I can't even say nothing because I got a tube down my throat between my vocal cords breathing for me. And I was on the ventilator and they're hollering me to breathe. I'm like, I'm thinking, I know I'm laying here, but I was a paramedic 20 years. Ain't this supposed to breathe for me? It's <laughs> what? Is what I'm thinking. But my precious wife, and, and see, we talk about it now like it ain't no big deal. This, we, we lived it. She walked out of the ICU and put her fingers in her ears where she could not hear me die. Ain't no joke. You're going to go through some stuff in this world. I pray you don't ever go through nothing like that. But when I started doing it the other day with this cancer, then the enemy was playing all that video back for me again and just showing me, here you go again. You can hear something about the virus and cough one time and see yourself on the ventilator tomorrow. I mean, if you're not careful. You know what I'm saying? You, you cannot go there and allow the enemy to do that to you. And don't be somebody that repeats all of that kind of stuff. Because we're supposed to be a pillar in the house of the Lord. We're supposed to be the light in the darkness. We're supposed to be the time right now to shine. And to shout the praises of our God, and he hadn't changed at all. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And whether they get a, a shot for this or not, or, I mean, God's, God's our God. God's our protector. And I'll tell you, a lot of people have, have found out that they're not as strong as Christians as they thought they was. And I don't mean strong on kind of God's part, but strong in what you believe about what God did. And I don't mean to act like an idiot and fool, you know, whatever. I, you know, I don't believe you. I, I trust God. Well, you lock your doors at night, don't you? I mean, you know what I'm saying. You don't have to get stupid. But we trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who, who trusts in God, whose the Lord's arm is his strength. God, that, that's, that's what I encourage you today. Has this been encouraging to you? And, and I, I know I, I've, I kind of feel like in my own heart I've, I've been kind of, you know, I've been kind of strong on it. But I feel it. That's when I feel it so strongly. And, and, and so I just want you to stand with me. God bless you for being here. I pray you're encouraged. I don't want you to go through no midnights and back beatings and all. You know what I mean symbolically. But when and if you do, 
then I'm trying to be a good shepherd to you and tell you, I'm just trying to point you to the book. If you want them suddenlies to happen, offer the sacrifice of praise. When should we do this? The writer of Hebrews said continually. Because of him, continually, offer the sacrifice of praise. The fruit of what my lips have produced. I even brought my offering today. And in one way, that was the fruit of my lips. I used my lips to talk to people, to make Medicare sales. <laughs> I got paid. I blessed God out of it because he blessed me. I brought the fruit of my lips. I brought the fruit of my lips in the, in, during the worship service. Man, that last song was they're all a blessing. Pastor Johanna walked up before that last one. She said, Pastor, receive this one for you today. I thought, well, it's got to be good. And she come up here and said, that. I'm waiting for it. I was just waiting. I was anticipating. And, man, they started singing that word. May his face shine upon you. And, man, I felt all them little, them little God bumps, you know, them little, that little chill that I love to feel. I love that. Whether I feel it or not, the same. But it was the word of God. They sung a new song with some old words. <laughs> and it was powerful because it's the word of God. And, and, and when we sing that song, May His Favor, it ain't like we, we, you know, we don't know if it will. We, it, it, we're declaring that favor over you because you got favor by birth. When you got born again, he's your daddy. You ain't got to beg him to be your daddy. And you ain't got to beg him to love you. He loved you while you was a sinner. So you have God's favor. When I get in my truck to go to work, I say this little prayer every day. Father, I thank you that I have your favor. I thank you that I'm your kid. And I pray even as your son had favor with God and man, I pray as I go into these homes today and I meet these people, grant me favor with them and turn their heart and help me to help them. And in doing so, I'll be blessed. And so will them. Had a lady call me this past week and just left me on my voice. She said, she's from Pelham, Georgia. She said, uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Dale, I did, this is just a thank you call. And I just want to just thank you for being such a blessing to me and helping me with all this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's the first one of those I've gotten in three years. I had a lady this week that I was in her home down in, in, in uh, I think it was, I was in Jennings, Florida. And when I got ready to leave, she said, you are a godsend to me. That makes you feel good. She said, you are a godsend to me. I said, well, what do you think I'm going to say? Well, praise God. Praise God. Because she didn't cost her nothing. She got all kind of benefits. She was happy. She said, God, behind this. <laughs> I'm like, yay. He is. He's helping, you know. And, and, and so whatever you do, you got God's favor. You, you have it. It doesn't fluctuate. All we need God to do is just touch these people and so that they recognize that favor that's on our lives. They want to be connected to that. They want to be involved with that. Amen? All right. Let's pray. Everybody good? I don't reckon I can call you to the altar because whatever. So you're in the altar now, right? Father, I bless your children because they're blessed of you. And I thank you for the word of God today. And I thank you for many Paul and Silas that at midnight will choose to magnify and praise God. And may those suddenlies come. May, may, may it not only be for our chains to be broken, but let it be for those 
in the other prisoners, their chains too, the people that's watching us, whether we know it or not, that their chains would fall off. The salvation would come to their houses. That, that, because we choose to offer a sacrifice of praise, that it will result in many coming to know you, the God who never changes. Father, we love you today. We bless you because we're blessed of you. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Grace Point, we love you.